All right. How we doing this morning? Good, good. What I'm going to do is pray, and then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 4 and begin work on this chapter. It has been a joy to this point to go through the book of Philippians. Uh, we've been working really the whole summer through the book. We talked about in chapter 1, talked about not being ashamed of the gospel. Remember where Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to all who believe. He also said in that chapter that he believed, it was confident that he who started a good work in you would bring it through to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And then we moved into chapter 2 and chapter 3 where we talked about pressing towards the mark and the prize is Christ and the desire is winning souls for the kingdom, that our whole lives would be spent to win souls and to see men and women come to know the glorious truth in the Savior Jesus Christ just like we have. Today the tone is a little different in Philippians 4, so I'm going to pray before we start and then we're going to get after it. Let's pray. Father, we are desperate for you. God, I just confess my inadequacies this morning, God, Lord, and you know them well, God. You know that I'm a sinner and I need you. Now, you know that every single one of us who sit here, we're imperfect, Lord. We're broken people who've been put back together by a glorious Savior or who are about to be put back together by a glorious Savior. So, Lord, we just confess that we're not the God of our lives. And Lord, as much as we like to think that we have control this morning, Lord, we ascribe the sovereignty of the universe, this sovereignty to you, glory to you, praise and honor to you. You are the God of creation, and we are all this morning that you would invite us into your story. God, you called us in, Scripture says, as sons and daughters. You changed our names. You removed from us sinner, broken, dirty, and you replaced it with forgiven, free, and whole. God, we are forever grateful. So as we look at the book of Philippians this morning, I pray, God, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, and the church said, you say amen while I breathe. All right. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read it together. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I I said it at our early service. I love to see Paul's heart for his people. The way that he talks to them and about them in verse 1. He just says, my beloved brothers, I love and I long for you. I desire to see you grow in the Lord. I mean, you can see him just gushing with pride over the church that he's been able to disciple and watch grow. Then he says this. I entreat Iodia and entreat Sintich to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of the fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. It seems kind of strange in the context of Scripture that Paul would single out. Now, remember last chapter he talked about Epaphroditus and he talked about Timothy. He talked about their example and who they were. But then he brings up these two ladies and he says this phrase that is needful for us to grab onto this morning and to think about. He says, help them agree in the Lord. Work with me to get these. You guys see the picture Paul's painting? Would y'all work with me to get these two people to agree together? Can I translate that to 2015 verbiage? Tell them to quit their drama. That's what he's saying. 
And, and I know you're like me. There's never any drama in the church, right? Okay. All right. But that's where he's at. He's looking at this people group. He's looking at this body of believers, and there's a rift. There are two separate factions going separate ways, and, and Paul is pleading with them, hey, listen, Iodian Sinchit, like you, you ladies, and, and, and I'm not just saying it was just the ladies. I'm sure there were men rallying around them, but for whatever reason, at this point, there were these two ladies who were just kind of button heads and going their separate ways, and Paul's like, no, 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 no. Get them to agree. Get them to reconcile. Get them to come back together. And it, it just kind of troubled me. I'm like, why are we focusing on these two people? And the Lord just unpacked this, and I want you to see it this morning. He addressed both women equally and directly to agree. That word in the Greek could also be changed to have the same mind or be in harmony with one another. And this is why, listen, as believers we have to understand that the enemy would love nothing more than to drive a wedge of division between those who are laboring side by side for the sake of the gospel. Are you hearing me? There's nothing that the enemy would love more than to see a brother and sister in Christ, a brother and brother in Christ, a sister and Christ, sister in Christ, uncle, cousin, whatever. Divide and separate and there be bitterness or resentment or hurt left there to linger. The enemy loves that because he knows if he can divide the people of God, the church will not stand. And I want to tell you this morning, I want you to hear me say it because I love you. We are not in fear today that someone with an AK-47 will run in the door and point the gun at us and say, believe in Christ or die. That is not what's going to kill the Christians in America and the church. It's going to be the church eating itself. It's going to be the church killing off each other with gossip and backbiting and harboring bitterness and, and being full of hypocrisy. And listen, uh, I can say this about Wayne because he's out of town today. <clears throat> but Wayne said a statement one time, and if he's not cool with me sharing it, it's going to be recorded forever. So there was someone who told him one time, they said, Wayne, I, I'm not going to come to church because it's full of hypocrites. And Wayne said, for whatever reason, I looked and said, well, there's always room for one more. I said, Wayne, you got to talk like that more often. But that, that, that really is a picture of the church. It's not like inside these walls we have everything figured out. And because, you know, they put Rev in front of our names or some of our names or whatever, like we have this thing figured out and we, you know, we're, we're holier than thou and we have this Christian thing unlocked. And because there's Baptists on the sign, we must know how to do it or Methodist or Presbyterian or Pentecostal or whatever. We've got it figured out. Because, see, we're all hypocrites. There are times that every single one of us in the room, definitely me, I can only speak about myself, so it's definitely me. There are times that I live opposite of the holiness and purity and faithfulness that God's called me to, and sometimes I just blow it. Sometimes I lose my cool, right? Sometimes I act and live fleshly, and we all do. And this is what Paul's saying. You're living in a place, you're in this beautiful place where you've been redeemed by the grace of God, but you're not in heaven yet, so what you're going to have to learn to do is agree together. You say, TJ, can it work? Well, this really incredible thing happened. Jesus went to the cross and he died, and in doing that, he converted 12 men. And those 12 men took the gospel of Jesus Christ to the entire world. 12 men. 
were the beginning missionaries that made the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. It flooded the earth through 12 men. And then you know what we did? Because that just wasn't good enough for us. We made Baptist and Presbyterian and Pentecostal and Charismatic and Primitive Baptist and Holiness Baptist and, you know, I don't know, First Church of the Nazarene and all 437,000 denominations in the world. We made that. Why? Because we don't know how to agree with one another. We don't know how to love someone for who they are without stumbling over who they're not. And that's what God's called us to do. He's called us to, to in, 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 in godly character. And I'm not saying that you put up with, with, with sin. Like, I think we're supposed to confront sin. I think we're supposed to call sin out. I think we're supposed to stand for truth. But listen, when it comes to the gospel, we have got to come to the place where we love the people to our left and to our right. And that we love a lost and dying world more. I want to read this to you and we're going to move on. As believers, we have to understand the enemy would love nothing more than to drive a wedge of division between those who are laboring side by side for the sake of the gospel. He would love nothing more. Disunity and division is an epidemic in the church. We see it all across our community, all across our county. Every, most of us, if we grew up in church, if we're very churched, We've experienced what they call a church split, or we've seen families leave the church because they're mad. We, my grandfather was a pastor for 26 years and I, and I, uh, until he fell ill, and I, I watched as, as a church split, and people were mad over, I don't know if it was the color of the carpet or the tune of the organ, I can't remember, but it's, it's kind of pretty standard. And there, there's this division, and there's this split, and it's not over the gospel, it's not over heresy, it's always over preference. You know Why? Because we're the most offendable nation on the planet. We're offendable. We are offendable, aren't we? You know, if you, if you look at me the wrong way, I'm going to post some passive-aggressive comment on Facebook about you because I'm offended. Right? I'm going to be real brave behind a keyboard because I'm offended. You looked at me the wrong way or you didn't include me or you wore green instead of wearing red. I mean, we get offended over everything, right? We're offendable. And listen, some of us, not only are we offendable, but we're really, really, really good at sharing our offense with others. And there's those of us sitting in this room, myself included. There have been people in my life that I was frustrated with and I didn't like because they offended my friend. They didn't do anything in the world to me. Why, why don't you like him? What did he do? Oh, he called so-and-so's mama a bad name one time. So what did he do to you? See, in the church, we're, we do that all the time. We borrow and share offenses. We get offended, and, and rather than taking it to the Lord and doing what the Bible says and going back to the person who offended us and wounded us and offering them forgiveness, which will probably make them angry because they don't think they've done anything wrong either. <laughs> rather than going back and fighting for reconciliation, we get on our, our prayer lines, Right? And we, we just dump about this other person to everybody else other than the person. And you say, TJ, that's kind of hitting close to home. You're kind of a, annoying me and frustrating me this morning with the way you're talking. You're talking about me and, you know, the way me and my girlfriend or me and my boys, we sit around and we talk about so-and-so because they, we don't like them because they've offended us. Well, listen, get over yourself and for the sake of the gospel, go and reconcile. Seek reconciliation. TJ, I can't reconcile. You don't understand their offense towards me. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they said about my grandma. You just don't know. And then all of a sudden in the conversation, the cross of Christ begins to raise. 
See, we offended God with our sin. Every single one of us in the room, we, we nailed Christ to the cross because of our sin. See, we, it, it, it's easy when it's outside and out of mind and just some random Roman soldier nailing in the precious Lamb of God to the cross. But in reality, every swing of the hammer was in your hand. Because it was your sin and my sin that put him there. And listen, if God can forgive that great of offense towards him in the heart of his son, you can forgive whatever offense it is towards you. You say, TJ, you, you don't know. You don't know how deep the offense is. You don't know how frustrating my life has been. You don't know what, what this person's done to unravel my insides. Listen, I don't understand what you've been through. I have no idea in the way that you've been wounded or the wrestles and struggles that you've walked through. But just for me, listen, my, my, my parents together have been divorced, remarried a bunch of different times to a bunch of different people. And you know that I'm, you guys all know that I'm honest and I'm open with you because I want to grow with you for the sake of the gospel. My family was broken from a very early age. And I say it like this. Some people feel like a break is kind of like a splinter. Mine was kind of like a, a piece of china tossed from the Empire State Building. That was family life. So over and over in my life, I've carried these offenses towards family members. And man, it's been a process of like 10 years of going to someone and saying, hey, I forgive you. And they're like, for what? And I'm like, don't make me stop. Right? Every one of us has those somebody in our life at some point who's wounded us deeply. And we're imprisoning ourselves with that bitterness and anger. And they have no clue. You carry the weight of it. You feel the rage and anger from it. But in reality, they have no clue. Listen, this morning, have you been forgiven of your offense? Has Christ consumed the penalty of your sin on the cross? Have you confessed life in Him? Have you made Him your Savior? Have you acknowledged that He drew you to Himself and you've responded in repentance? If that is true, then you have one option this morning to forgive. You say, TJ, are you sure? Because I really want to hang on to this bitterness. Because let's be honest, it feels good to be mad and it feels good to make other people mad and miserable with us. It's our sin nature. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive others their trespass, your heavenly Father will forgive you. The Spirit of God thrives in unity. And God, the move of God is evident when the body of Christ is united. Think about when the children of Israel walked across a dry sea. One thing that we know for sure is they were all heading in the same direction, right? They were united. There were no divisions. You think about when those who must have been standing there the day the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, not because any Israelite lifted a finger or swung an axe, but because they were obedient to God and together they were unified and marched around the wall. They were in one mind and one accord. And then you can think about that when the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed and then they were rebuilt. And it, they were only rebuilt in Nehemiah in 52 days. You can go and read Nehemiah about it. It's 52 days. How in the world could you rebuild the walls in 52 days? Because they were one mind and one goal and one focus and one direction. But in every single one of these places, you look across the landscape of the Bible and you see the children of God and the people of God being in unity, reconciling their difference. And there's always a common theme. There's a man or a woman standing up fighting for unity. When it was the children of Israel, it was Moses who came down and saw the golden calf and the, how the people began to divide. And you know what he did? 
He burned the golden calf, threw it in some water, and said, now you drink the water. That's crazy. It's crazy talk. That's what he did. There was a man who was willing to burn a sacred cow. There are some sacred cows we need to burn around this place. In our own lives, in our own hearts, in our own families. I'm going to ask you, are you going to be a man or woman who leads the division and and leads the rift? Are you going to be a man or woman who stands up and says, let's burn the golden calf. Let's tear down the idols that divide us. I'm not just talking about a church. You say, TJ, is there drama in the church? Always drama in the church. In every church. All across the map. Until Christ returns, there will be drama. There will be division. But I pray to God there are more people who are standing up, endeavoring to be a Moses, endeavoring to be a Joshua, standing up saying, I will fight for unity. I will fight for reconciliation. If you look across the landscape of the Bible, you'll see children of God, the people of God uniting. You always find someone fighting for that unity, someone willing to risk, someone willing to kill a giant, burn a golden calf, and someone willing to risk it all for the kingdom of God and the unity of the church. Are you one of them? I'm not just talking about in the church, but in your family. Are you one that will fight for unity? Are you quick to forgive? Are you desiring to reconcile? Not only your family that you live with, but what about your extended family? What about your friends? What about church members? What about people you're on teams with or used to be on teams with or sit on boards with or work with? What about those people? Have you been harboring bitterness towards them and backbiting and gossiping? Are you going to fight for unity? Are you willing to seek reconciliation? You say, TJ, I don't really like this sermon, man. I thought you were going to pump me up. But I'm sitting here thinking of two or three people that I've been angry at for 15 years. I, all I do is I ask you, if you're annoyed or frustrated at the sermon, just ask God to, to use it to search your heart. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit annoying you. He dumps that heavy, heavy thing on the people. Make sure these two ladies agree. Make sure that they reconcile their difference because the number one thing the enemy wants is to drive a wedge between what God's doing and to divide the camp. See, if he divides the camp, he can tear down the whole kingdom. And I'll just say this for our church, for who we are. You guys that are visiting today, you get to hear a little home talk. But for those of you who've been going a while, you know this is the theme and the model and the beauty of our church. That we will not divide, but we will always reconcile and push for the greater good for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? We will not divide. Not on my watch. Philippians 4.4, move with me. Because I think Paul senses just like we're feeling when he's kind of saying this and going through the motions and he's, he's dumping this on the people. Or people are like, bro, you just like left, I'm on the ropes, left hook, right hook. Right? Anybody with me other than me? I'm convicted. There's like three people. I'm like going to leave the service. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's real life. I'll tell you a quick story and I'm going to move on really quick. But uh, you, you've heard the story of when I planted a church for my best friend in Albany. My best friend, eight years. We planted a church, and three years into ministry, he fires me. Like, how do you get fired from something you started? You had to be really bad at it, I guess. But I got fired by my best friend. And for two years, all I did was kind of stew in, I call it my dark days. <laughs> I kind of stewed in bitterness, and, 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 and I was offended at him. And I would just share that offense to everyone else. People were like, man, what you doing now? I'm doing this because he's a jerk. Right? It's just kind of how I rolled. And about two years in, he called me. He said, hey, man, I really want to go to lunch with you. 
okay. So we go and sit down at, at lunch, and we're at a Mexican restaurant in Albany, and we're eating, and our chips and sauce and all this fake plastic stuff like we've become really accustomed to in church. That was free. He said, he said, TJ, I, I, I've sinned against you. I've wronged you. And I need you to forgive me. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, no, you don't. I'm mad. And I like being mad. Don't you come seeking forgiveness? That was how I was thinking. What really happened was like, man, I've sinned against you too. And we're like hugging in the restaurant. And people are like, whoa, this is really weird. We're just like, we love each other, man. But you know, there are still people to this day who do not go to church and will not plug into a faithful body because my best friend and myself could not reconcile our differences. And we shared our offense with those people. One of the most shameful things I ever did. We shared our offense with other people. We gossiped about each other. We didn't celebrate each other for who we are. And there are still people to this day who will not go to church because of our sin. I say that to tell you, be quick to reconcile. Be quick to fight for unity. Surrender your pride, your preferences to the power of the Holy Spirit and ask Him to walk you through it. So after all that heaviness, Paul comes to verse 4 and he says, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Paul's like, yeah, i got to tell him to rejoice after that because that's pretty heavy. Rejoice this morning. Even though all of us at some point in our lives, we've harbored bitterness, we, we've harbored frustration, we know that we've sinned against someone or we can't forgive someone for sinning against us, Paul says rejoice. And you may be thinking, what do I have to rejoice about? You don't know the offense towards me or you don't know how I've offended someone else. You don't know what I've done. How can I rejoice? Listen, I want to give you the reason to rejoice. Number one, sow this into your heart. Your sin has been paid for. 1 Corinthians 6.20, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. If you have nothing else to rejoice for this morning, you can rejoice because your sin has been paid for. Your sin's been paid for. Your sin against others, other sins against you, have been paid for under the blood of Christ. Submit to the power of Christ and rejoice. Not only has your sin been paid for, but your future is secure. Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. You have a future. You have a future. Not only have your sins been paid for, not only do you have a future that's secure in Christ, but he's fighting the battle for you. Exodus 14.14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. I think he strategically put that in there. He'll fight for you. He went to the cross for you. He loves you. You have a reason to rejoice. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. That word reasonableness can also be translated gentleness or patience. Listen, I want you to hear this, and then we're going to move on and close. The identity of every believer should be one of a calm and tender spirit. A calm and tender spirit coupled with strong fearless love for truth. I'm not telling you to be pushovers this morning. I'm not telling you not to stand for truth, but we, the world should know us by our reasonableness. They should know us because of the grace that we've experienced from Christ and the grace that we freely give to the world. That's how we should be known. And I love the way he closes this breath. 
the Lord is at hand. A lot of times when we see that in Scripture, we hear that preached, we think the Lord is at hand. Someone would go into a sermon about the rapture and when he's coming back, but really in context, what Paul's saying here is he's present. We don't want to carry offenses. We want to fight for unity. Why? Because Jesus is in the room. We want to show grace and we want to, we want to, man, we want to give the world a grace-filled picture of who Christ is and what he's done. We want to love people. We want to receive people. We want to walk with people through their hurts rather than casting them to the wolves. Why do we want to do that? Because the Lord is at hand. Jesus is in the room. Listen, this morning, do you have burdens you need to give Jesus? We're going to have the guys come on. They're going to sing. Psalm 191-151 says, But you are the Lord. You, O Lord, are near, and all your commandments are true. I want to ask you a few questions, and we're going to respond. Have you been harboring bitterness in your heart? Have you been a part of or, or in the situation where you've seen the divide, or you've led the divide, or, or you've been wounded by the divide? There's some of you that you're just innocent bystanders, right? And you, you were caught in the crossfire and you're wounded. Church has wounded you. Maybe families wounded you. Friends have wounded you. People that maybe are supposed to protect you and love you have wounded you. This morning I'm asking you, are you holding on to that resentment and that bitterness? Listen, it will eat you alive. Let it go. Surrender it to Christ. Let him reconcile that thing in your heart, and then maybe you reconcile with that person, whoever they are. Listen, Paul, it was important to Paul, it should be important to us. Let's agree together, let's reconcile, let's make things right, so that the grace of God can be shown in our lives, and people might see the cross. Until every tribe, every nation, every tongue knows him. That's what we're called to. So this morning, you know these altars are open. You know the prayer team stands to the left. And as the guys sing, I want you to stand with me. And, and maybe some of you in this room, you can go ahead and stand if you want to. We're going to respond. And I just want to challenge you. Maybe search your heart. Maybe that person that's been coming to your mind over and over during the sermon. Maybe that injustice or that hurt. Maybe it's a time to say, God, here it is, Lord. Lord, you've won the victory, God. Lord, you, you fight for me. You've saved me. Take these burdens. They're yours. It's that simple. That's where we begin. Maybe it's somebody across the aisle that you need to reconcile with. Maybe it's somebody in the room. Would we be bold enough to humble ourselves to see God move in that way that we would cross the aisle and seek reconciliation? Let's pray. Father, it's only you. You're the only one who can. Because we're imperfect, Lord. We're flawed and we're prideful. But Lord, you're gracious and you're holy and you're humble and you're tender, God. And you've filled our hearts, Lord. So I just pray that what you've deposited in us through the cross would come out. Lord, let us look like you and live like you and love like you, God. Lord, let us extend forgiveness and grace to the world to our loved ones, to our friends, to our co-workers. God, let us be those who fight for unity rather than those that lead the divide. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.